0: Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Perspective Podcast. I hope you are having a fantastic week and you enjoyed last episode with Sarah. This week, we're getting down and dirty into money again because in case you haven't noticed, the markets are a little crazy. And not only are the market's crazy, but the world is crazy. We know this already. Um, And in these times, as a collective, whether we realize it or not, all of this frenetic, chaotic energy impacts us because we are quite empathic, whether we realize it or not. And if you're going through an awakening, you're even more sensitive than your typical person. And so even though you may be consciously aware of what you're consuming and paying attention to, this collective negative energy, frenetic energy can and will impact you in some way. So I think it's really important to have a practice of clearing your energy field. And even myself, I've noticed my nervous system needs a little bit more love this week. It needs more love. I've been sitting in meditation more often and spending more time outside in nature to clear my field and also balancing my energy centers. So whatever feels good to you, whatever way feels right to clear your nervous system and let yourself know that, hey, everything's going to be okay, the better. Because if you turn on social media, if you connect or plug into anything, a television, a show, the news, you are getting this energy stuck to you. (laughs) If you're talking to other people, this energy is sticking to you. So what's happening in the world right now is we have been in a recession. Generally, we don't realize we're in a recession until things start to plummet, and we've already been in the recession for a while. And this is really, really normal, okay? The market and our world, our economy goes in cycles, and we can look throughout history and see that there have been at least 48 recessions since the beginning of the United States economy, as we know it, in the early 1900s, and they're healthy, we can't have the economy just going up and up and up and up forever we have to have these cycles and je- believe it or not it really mimics our bodies it mimics nature it mimics our lives because our lives are cyclical in nature and they're not linear and um our nervous system wants everything to be linear our nervous system wants the market to go up and up and up and the economy to hum on forever our nervous system might want life to be happy and joyful, and healthy all the time. When in reality, we have these ebbs and flows in our life. We have times where we feel down in the dumps and we experience negative emotions. And we have times where we feel elation and joy and pride and bliss. It's part of the human experience. And so because our economy and our market mimics our nature, our energy, it's a mirror for our energy, It's no surprise that when our energy becomes chaotic and frenetic and fearful, so does the economy and so does the market. And so there's definitely things that you can do to stay grounded. We've talked about that, but also actions you can take or not take to make sure that you don't shoot yourself in the foot when the economy is in not such a great place. We've been in such a positive market for so long that many of us either have never lived through a recession in our own memory where we were adults and on our own, or we've forgotten what it's like. And um, just to be real with you, when we're experiencing these pullbacks in the economy, people do lose money. People's businesses go under. People get laid off. Um, it's not all sunshine and roses, but quite often there are things that you can do to protect yourself from that happening. And I talk about a little bit on my Instagram about things that you can do to protect your portfolio and protect your investments, but I want to begin today's episode by just reminding you of what you can do right now. And then I want to get into a conversation about bonds. Because If you are only in one asset class, stocks, or cash, or real estate, you are at risk. Okay? So first, let's start off with what you can do right now. Number one, realize that if you have an emergency fund, you're in much better shape than more than 50% of the population. Having an emergency fund of three to six months of living expenses in cash is always the number one financial move I recommend people make. Yes, it can mean pausing, paying off debt, except for the minimum payments. Why? Because you cannot dig yourself out of a hole if you don't have your own safety net, okay? And I want you to think an emergency fund as a safety net for you. Some people call it an FU fund, which means FU, I'm leaving my job. FU, you laid me off. I now have the security to take care of myself until I can find another job. Call it whatever you want, but it is absolutely necessary to have savings because. Life, as I just mentioned, is not perfect and it is cyclical. And you are going to have times in your life where you need to tap into that cash for unexpected expenses. Your transmission blows up on your car unexpectedly. You get into a wreck. You have a hole in your roof. Your home gets hit by a hurricane. You unexpectedly get pregnant and are having another child. You have medical debt from an unexpected medical event. Um, These are the norm, okay? It's not, will it happen, but when? And that's what an emergency fund is for. Because if you don't have that safety net, you are going to have to rely on debt or family or living in scarcity and fear and just surviving. So having that emergency fund is key. I cannot stress this enough. You wanna keep it in cash, you wanna keep it accessible. And if you are in a position to build it past the six month mark, I always recommend a year. And before I quit my job in the corporate world, I had over a year and a half's worth of cash on hand so that I don't have to live in scarcity and fear knowing that I was about to potentially quit my job entering a recession. Okay, so what I'm saying is if you're just starting out, start with three months. And then once you get to three months, keep building up to six months. And then, you know, maybe focus on paying down some of your debts. If you have debt, but if you don't have much debt, get it up to a year. Because that's really going to help your nervous system through times like these and also give you opportunity and flexibility if there comes a time when you want or need to pause your job or your career or your business. Okay, number two. This is a big one. Don't touch your investments when they are down. Right now, if you go on the news, you're gonna see all kinds of fear-based messages around the market right now. You're going to see information about companies potentially going out of business. You're going to see information about where the market's headed. You're going to see doom and gloom everywhere you look. What does that do? It creates fear in our nervous system. Even if we're spiritual and in touch with our higher selves, it's still like things clench up and you go, oh my gosh, am I okay? Is my portfolio okay? What if I lose everything? Trust me, even The most seasoned financial planners have these feelings from time to time, especially if recessions last a while, because it's one thing to see that happen, you know, over a few days or weeks. But what happens when this recession goes for months on end? That's a whole nother situation, right? And that's kind of what happened back in 2000. People got so scared and they just couldn't handle seeing their money continue to plummet And their, sorry, their investments continue to plummet and they sold. They sold their investments. And that's the worst thing that you can do. Okay. So if you're comfortable and you have that emergency fund and you don't need to tap into your investments, please do not touch them. In fact, don't look at them. I am telling you not to track your net worth and not to look at your investments right now, because it will help your nervous system so much. Remind yourself that you're safe. You're cared for, and those investments are for the long term. They're not for right now. Now, if you have investments that you need for something in the short term, they should have never been invested in anything risky in the first place. And this is another mistake that I see. People putting too much money into risky investments, and one of them being crypto. Okay, and in the spiritual community, crypto is all the rage, but I'm going to sit here and tell you with my financial planner hat on that putting a lot of money into something as speculative as crypto or new companies is a disaster waiting to happen for you. It's perfectly wonderful and okay to put a very small percentage of your portfolio and your assets into something like that. But if you put a large percentage in, hmm, well, good luck. Because it is incredibly speculative. Um, And I don't think that Bitcoin is a final iteration of crypto. And so let's not put all of our eggs in one basket. I own crypto, by the way, but I don't own a very large percentage of it at this time. And here's the other thing about crypto. All of these crypto experts out there, who, by the way, are not really experts at all. They're just people who read things online. They're talking about how crypto does not correlate to the market. It's the next big investment. It's the next big thing. It's going to protect you in a recession. I'm here to tell you that crypto is fully correlated with our economy and the market. So what you're seeing right now is the market plummeting, but crypto is plummeting right along with it. And when you diversify your investments and diversify your assets, what you want to do is have things that are not correlated. And that's becoming increasingly difficult in a world where we're all connected by technology. Okay. So there are just a few asset classes that are not correlated with the market these days. One of them is bonds, which is why I'm talking about it today. Okay. Now it is correlated in some relation, but I'm going to explain why I think it's still a really great place to park some of your money. The other item that's often not totally correlated to the market or is negatively correlated, meaning it does well when the market is down, is commodities, specifically gold and silver. Um, Over time, gold and silver don't perform well at all, but they are good hedges. And another thing that is not always correlated with the market is real estate. Now, real estate has its own cycles and its own economy. But it's not always correlated with the market. But I'm going to get into more detail into how you can further diversify your money today with the discussion around bonds and fixed income. But it's just really important that you understand that listening to these financial gurus who really aren't financial gurus at all on social media can really hurt you, okay? So protect yourself. Go back and listen to my past podcast episode where I talk about the principles of investing. That's key to understand is really making sure that when you are investing money, you're investing according to your personal risk profile and risk tolerance. What does this mean? Okay, this is not talked about often enough, but you and I have very different tolerance for risk. You might be an incredibly aggressive person in life and love taking risks with your money, But me, I'm somewhere in the middle, okay? Your mom might be something totally different. We all are unique based on our own money story and circumstances and income and net worth and levels of debt and cash flow. So it makes sense that my mother... And myself would not have the same risk profile or risk tolerance. My friends and myself would not have the same risk profile and risk tolerance. And so when you want to get into investing, you want to pay attention to how you feel about taking risk because your nervous system may not be able to handle 80 or 100% stock. Even if Susie Orman is telling you to go buy a bunch of exchange traded funds in the stock market and set it and forget it. Because what happens is your nervous system can become really wigged out when we have times like these and your emotions take the, take the wheel, okay? And um, you know yourself better than anybody. So there are questions to ask you, yourself before you make decisions with your money and make investment choices. Now I realize this is something you really should have already done. Now is not the time to go, oh wait. I was way too aggressive, but I want to talk about this for the future so that as you make more investment choices, or if you're just starting out investing, you understand that you need to go ahead and take some time to figure out what your risk tolerance really is for you. And let's get into fixed income because fixed income is really the underdog here. Okay. Fixed income has provided a stable source of income for millions of people for years. And right now you don't hear about it. You haven't heard about it up until now. Why? Because it hasn't been paying much. It's been paying pennies on the dollar and so people have been so hyped up about stocks and other asset classes like crypto that they've forgotten about the underdog which is fixed income. So I'm gonna describe fixed income in the next section and go into a whole lot of detail around the different kinds. So I would say if you're not investing yet and you haven't listened to the principles of investing, go ahead and skip this next section until you have a little bit better understanding and overview of investing and come back to it at a later date. But if you are ready to learn about what bonds are, what fixed income is, and let's dive in. Hello, friends. Elle here. I am so excited to share with you my most accessible offering prosperity circles. I believe financial literacy and manifestation techniques should be accessible to everyone, regardless of your financial status or situation. So beginning March 21st, Mondays at 8 PM Eastern time, I will be hosting an intimate container for women feeling out of alignment to come together to discuss personal financial struggles. We all know money is a taboo subject in our society. So why not come together in a safe space to share our stories and offer support for others on the journey? During these circles, we will share our stories and struggles, but also I will offer some guidance on how to make shifts and tweaks to overcome any financial challenges you may be facing, whether that be making more money, working through money wounds, switching careers, or setting and sticking to reasonable financial goals. Nothing is too vulnerable here. Every week will be different as we intuitively cover up what cover what the group needs and end the circle in a meditation or journaling session. The best part is there's no commitment. Simply sign up weekly at spiritualperspectivepodcast.com services. Scroll on to the bottom and you'll see more info. See you in circle. So, in understanding fixed income, first of all, why are we calling it fixed income? Bonds, fixed income, what is it? It's called fixed income because you are receiving a fixed interest rate periodically on the amount of money that you lent to the particular company or institution for that bond. So, When we think about investing, we're always so focused on that rise in price in the stock market and making more money and seeing our net worth grow. But the reality is that receiving income on top of seeing that growth only catapults your success and compounds your growth over time. Remember, total return is the change in price of a security plus the income, and so fixed income bonds provide stable income. So throughout history, bond prices and interest rates have changed, and at times, bonds have provided a really phenomenal source of income for many of the clients that I used to work with over time. And if you just take a snapshot of a time period between 1980 and 1990 you'll see that bonds were paying so much and people were making great money so let me give you an example of that okay just just for, let's talk numbers here because compound interest is powerful so okay let's say you get 15% on $100,000 well that's $15,000 $15,000 on $100,000 just by putting your money in a in a bond which is pretty safe okay That was back in 1980. That's when their interest rates peaked. But wait a minute. Let's do that on a million dollar portfolio. Okay, let's say you have a million dollars in bonds. Yeah, let's say you have a $5 million portfolio, you have a million in bonds. $150,000 just by doing nothing, by just purchasing that bond and holding it. So my point is that bonds can provide a really stable source of income in your portfolio over time, But if you take a snapshot right now on February, I'm currently recording this on February 23rd, 2022, they're not paying very much money. Okay, but just keep in mind, that's not going to be the case forever. So many investors are short sighted when looking at investing and only focus on what's doing well right now. But that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is over time to continue to grow your net worth and your portfolio in a stable way that aligns you to your goals and your values. There's so much crap out there about how investing is only about just making as much money as possible. And that couldn't be further from the truth because I find that most people, most investors want some level of stability when things get tough. It's not easy to watch your portfolio lose 60% of its value overnight. It's easy to explain it. If you're a money coach and you've never handled clients money, and I'm seeing a lot of that on Instagram and social media, Oh, all you got to do is just buy and hold, hold your money for the next 60 years. Over time, you're going to make great money. Investing is not that simple, guys. If investing was that simple, every single person would be a millionaire right now. It's not that simple, okay? Because we, our psychology and our energy and our thoughts get in the way. Because if the market were to come down 50%, let's say tomorrow or 60%, and it stayed that way for a year and a half, do you think you would be comfortable with that? Well, I'm going to answer that for you with this interesting, interesting statistic. The average investor over time makes only 3%. People like Dave Ramsey and a bunch of really famous talking heads are telling you that you can make 10% year over year investing and you just stay invested in the market. And you know what? They are so right. But guess what? The average investor has only returned three to four and a quarter percent over time. Do you guys want to know why? Overreaction, fear, uncertainty. Again, it's so easy to say things like, well, I'm just going to stay invested and I'm not going to react at all to the, the market, to the volatile market, you know, up, down, everywhere around. But how would you feel? If the market stayed down for two years, we had a decade of negative returns from 2000 to 2010. Did you guys know that? So let me ask you an honest question. Would you stay invested for a decade of losing money? Tough, right? Really, really tough. That's what financial coaches they're not talking about because it's not sexy and it's not cool. They think that it's simple. Just put your money in the SPY, done. Thank you, ma'am. Moving on. You're going to make great money. We are human beings. And our egos don't like uncertainty and they don't like risk. And that's why the average investor has only returned 3 to 4% over time. Not the 10% that Dave Ramsey keeps telling you about, guys. So what I'm trying to relate to you is that understanding the differences and the nuances between stocks and bonds and understanding your risk tolerance is key to staying invested and understanding investing over time. And it's not as simple as taking a chunk of money and throwing it into a fund and saying, peace out, see you in 50 years. If it was that simple, 100% of investors would be returning that 10% year over year. Investors think they can predict the future. Okay. Unfortunately, investors are highly, highly overconfident and I am seeing this in the coaching industry and the financial planning industry as a whole, especially on social media. And so I'm cautioning you, to be careful where you're taking your advice from because there's a lot of really interesting cool graphics and cool classes out there and marketing strategies to get you to invest your money with these particular coaches or people who claim to have all these crazy amazing results, or maybe just made good money for themselves. My guess is that about hundred percent of them haven't actually lived through a recession and invested through a recession, and they've never managed clients money before. And they've just been reading a lot of books and looking at the history of the market. And unfortunately, human behavior doesn't line up with numbers, okay? So if that weren't the case, us financial planners, we wouldn't be in business. Financial coaches wouldn't be in business. Everybody would have a lot of money. (sighs) So I just wanted to kind of run through that with you because it's just insane how many coaches I'm seeing that just simplify it so much. Like all you got to do is just throw your money in this fund and walk away. No, no. Investing is not that simple. Investing can be made simple with a process and with steps. That's what I'm trying to do with you. But if anyone tells you that stocks aren't risky, if anyone tells you That all you got to do is throw your money in this fund and you're going to be fine. If anyone tells you, just buy and hold, you're going to make 10% year over year. And they don't talk about the psychological aspects. They don't address money blocks. And they don't explain fixed income to you. And the pros and cons of every single investment run the other way. Run the other way. On this podcast, I'm going to explain to you the pros and cons of everything. Because that's what a sophisticated, educated coach or planner or guide does. And if someone is not showing you the ins and outs of everything, the pros and cons of every security and explaining it to you and only telling you to buy this or do this, They are not in their integrity and they also sometimes just aren't in their experience. They've done really well for themselves for the last decade. Well, who hasn't? It's been a bull market. That doesn't mean they should be giving you advice on your money. So please excuse my soapbox, but I'm really, really passionate about explaining this to people because so few people really understand how to analyze their own portfolio or The importance of diversification and utilizing fixed income as part of a larger portfolio. So let's break down the three types of bonds today. The purpose of bonds, why we use them in a portfolio, and why you may not be hearing about them much on social media and in the news, but you're going to be soon because we're currently in a recession. So the definition of a bond is basically the idea that companies or entities issue debt to raise money. Okay, if they need money rather than going to a bank, they can simply issue bonds to the public and you purchase those bonds. And in return, they pay you interest on the bond. So they get to raise capital for whatever purposes they need and you get to make interest on the bond. Now, what's cool about this is that there's a lot less risk in a bond and there isn't a stock. If you think about a stock, the price is volatile and it can change day to day because the market is constantly changing and people are buying and selling shares of stock. And the news has a major impact on stock prices and the future of companies' earnings. But it's not that way with a bond because bonds are guaranteed interest for a specific period of time. And so when the company decides to give, to give you interest, They're going to decide the term of that interest, sort of like a mortgage. So let's say you buy a 30-year mortgage, right? The term on a bond can be one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. So what's neat about that is that you pay a very specific price that does not deviate very much at all. The prices on bonds don't change much. You're going to get $1,000 back. So it's a really interesting concept. And for years, people have used bonds as a diversifier in their portfolios, but also for income. And there have been times in history where bonds were paying double digits, especially in the 80s. Bonds were paying 15%. And so often when we see inflationary times and we see times like we're headed into right now in recessions, bonds do better than stocks, but also they pay you a solid good income when stocks are tanking. But guess what? The last decade or more, you haven't heard about bonds because they have not been paying very much. And why would you want to put your money in something that's paying you 2% that ties up your money for 30 years? A bond in February of 2022, a 30-year treasury bond was only paying 1.95%. Why would you lock up your money for 30 years for 1.95%? and when i say lock up you can actually get your money back but you may not get the full principal value you may get a little bit less if you hold your money within that time period then you'll you're guaranteed to get that money back so this idea that investing is only about stocks is completely false and there are quite a few people on the internet making it seem like the only way to get wealthy is to invest in the stock market and that's simply not true because the bond market has a very large part to play in investing and in a, vers- in a diversified portfolio, even if you're young. Because what happens when our portfolio gets overly allocated to stock, 80% stock, 100% stock, is that when the market crashes, like it it's been down the last week or so, but when the market really crashes, let's say it's down 50%, you're down 50% you have lost 50% of your money. You don't wanna sell it, you wanna keep holding your investments, but until the market comes back, you're, rec- you're seeing that loss in your portfolio. But if you don't allocate your portfolio to as much risk, let's say you have 60% or 50% stock, let's say 50% stock, and the other 50% is in bonds, well, those bonds are probably gonna do pretty well during the recessionary time. They're gonna give you some cushion on the downside. You have no cushion on the downside if you're in an aggressive portfolio. So for your nervous system, which we talked about before, you may be much more comfortable having an allocated portfolio, 50% to stocks, 50% to bonds and other securities. Um, If you only have 50% in stocks, let's say, and the market crashes 50%, you're only down 25%, okay? Your whole portfolio is down less than 25%. That's not so bad. It's easier to come back from that as well. And it's much easier on the nervous system. So this is where investing gets complex because we have to align investing with who we are, with our nervous system, with our risk tolerance. And this is why I needed to talk about bonds today. So I actually recorded some of this information on bonds back in February, and so much has changed since February. In February, bonds were paying nothing. Now you can get a 30-year treasury for more than 3%. That's not that great, but it's better than it was. So let me break down the three types of bonds that we're going to talk about today, because bonds are diversified into categories, much unlike stocks. Stocks are really pretty simple and basic to understand, but bonds are a little bit more complex because there's three types of bonds. The government can issue bonds. Those are called treasury bonds. Corporations can issue bonds. Those are called corporate bonds. And municipalities and cities and states can issue bonds. And those are called municipal bonds. Those are probably the most complex to understand. But for purposes of today, I'm going to keep this really short and sweet and simple. But I want you to understand what I'm talking about here. So when you decide to diversify your portfolio, you know about the different types of bonds and you have a little bit of knowledge when you're searching for bond funds or ETFs are debt issued by a corporation because they want to raise money for a specific purpose. And they say, okay, we're going to put out a 10 year bond paying 2%. You can purchase that corporate bond on certain exchanges, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, some of the larger broker dealers, and it will tell you what the duration of the bond is as well as the interest that you're paying the coupon. It will tell you the principle, how much money you can put down at a minimum. So generally it's in thousand dollar increments. So you could put down 1000, 2000, 3000, all the way up to 10, 20, 100, whatever you want to. And that 10 year period guarantees that after 10 years, you'll get that 10,000 back. But there's also a price on the bond because what happens is the bond gets issued and supply and demand dictates how the price may change. So let's say the bond gets put on the market for $1,000. A share. And then immediately the demand skyrockets because the bond is paying really good interest. Okay, it's paying 7%, which is nearly impossible to find, but let's say it's paying 7%. As demand rises, the price goes up. Okay, so you're going to pay more than the face value of that bond to purchase it, you're going to pay a premium. So, there are calculations you can do to make sure you're not overpaying. And I don't want to get into that today, but these are the numbers that you need to know. That face value of the bond, what you're going to pay for the bond, are you going to pay over that premium? Are you going to be paying a premium over 10 or 100 or 1,000 a share? What's the interest? What's the duration? Okay. And who's issuing it? Because these corporations are subject to bankruptcy. And so, what could happen? The only risk you're really subject to in a bond. It's not market risk, it's the actual credit of the company and the the risk of that company um, defaulting, that interest rate risk as well. So you've got the quality of the company coming into play here. You don't wanna buy a bond for a company you've never heard of that just started. You wanna buy a bond from a quality company that's been around a long time and that's doing pretty well, okay? So that's a corporate bond. Yes, there is risk in purchasing corporate bonds with interest rates because if interest rates rise, your bond may not be worth as much. The next type of bond is a treasury bond. That is issued by the government. Okay, the U.S. government. These are considered the most quality bonds on the market because they're backed by, guess what? One of the strongest governments in the world. That is... Difficult to say for me because I'm not a fan of how our world works and how our government works. And I think we're in so much debt and we're really in trouble. But we're like the best house in a bad neighborhood. We're like the nicest house. That's the best way to describe the US government to you when you compare the US government bonds to the rest of the world's economy. We are the most beautiful mansion in a dilapidated neighborhood. And so that is why we're still considered quality. So you can buy treasury bonds in shorter increments and they're called T-bills, but basically the way they work is exactly the same. You can buy something that has a one year or a six month duration, two years, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. But generally because you're paying for quality, may not pay quite as much interest, but it's safer, right? So people tend to diversify their portfolios with those treasury bonds. All of the same numbers apply. You've got your face value, your coupon, which is your interest that you're gonna receive, and you've got the duration, how long the bond is going to be in play, and when you may get your money back in full. You could always go out and buy or sell a bond if you'd like, though. You just may buy or sell above or below the principal. Okay, the third kind of bond is a municipal bond. And these are issued by municipalities, counties, cities, states, okay? They're state-specific. And municipal bonds are interesting because they come in two flavors. They come in the flavor of a general obligation bond and a revenue bond. A revenue bond is for a specific, very specific, project that that city is trying to do. So for example, where I'm from, I'm from Savannah, Georgia, originally, they issued revenue bonds to pay for a local civic center that would attract thousands of people to the city. There was a specific reason they put these out, right? A general obligation bond is just to raise money, okay? It's to raise money. Um, It can be used for lots of different purposes, for infrastructure, et cetera sort of the same rules apply again. Looking at your interest rate, looking at your duration, looking at what city is issuing this. Reading research about that particular municipality and what the income level is there. Is it a wealthy municipality or not? If it's not a wealthy municipality, you're more at risk of them defaulting. And yes, they can default. So what's interesting about municipal bonds that makes them unique from treasury bonds and corporate bonds is that if you purchase the bond in the state that you live in, then you don't have to pay tax. You don't have to pay state tax. So this is really attractive to people who are avoiding taxes and trying to keep their tax burden low. Generally you're going to own municipal bonds in a taxable account. Okay. Um, Makes it a little bit different than corporate and treasury bonds. There is, there are hours and hours and hours. I could talk about these three kinds of bonds, you guys, for hours. I could. I could sit here and explain the ins and outs and what to look for and what not to look for and how to calculate whether the bond is a good investment or not. But I'm not here to explain this so that you have to go out and buy individual bonds at all. So I'm not going to spend the time doing that. What I want you to understand is just the general idea of what a bond is and why it's valuable to you and your portfolio, which is because it's going to pay you a solid, stable income over time for a specific period of time. And when the market is crazy, this is a good place to park money. But it ebbs and flows just like everything. And for the last decade, they've sucked. I don't have a better word for it. They've just sucked. That's about to change. Okay, and so I want you guys to just know that and have it on your radar, but more importantly, understand that you can also own bonds within funds, just like a stock. And so rather than go out and try to pick your own bonds and understand the different kinds, treasury, municipal, you know, what you're looking for, how to do calculations, that's just way too complex. That's what we do. That's what financial planners do, financial advisors. It makes so much more sense for you just to understand what they are so you can look for bond funds in the form of an exchange-traded fund or a mutual fund. So the way these work is that a manager goes out and they purchase bonds on your behalf. They purchase a basket of bonds, which makes it even better because it's diversified. You're not just owning one. We talk about diversification a lot. You wanna have that diversification. So look for exchange-traded funds or mutual funds that own bonds, and then look at what kind of bonds they own and what interest rates the bonds are paying And what the duration of those bonds is. And when you go on Schwab or Fidelity or Merrill Edge, you can go into the research tab and pull up and research bond funds and look under the hood to see what they own. And just start to get ideas because it will help you better understand investing. So a truly balanced portfolio is going to have an allocation to bonds. And even though they're not sexy, they're really important. And I hope that today you have a good just general overview of an understanding of of what they are and how they work. If you have any questions, feel free to DM me and I'm happy to share more resources with you. If you want to read up and research more on bonds, I can't give you specific bond fund recommendations today. Well, friends, that's a wrap on our fixed income episode. I realized that I threw a lot of information at you today. Hopefully you were able to take notes. And if you're still feeling confused about certain aspects of fixed income, feel free to email me or send me a direct message on Instagram. And I'm happy to clarify further. I might even have to do a part two, but overall... If you have an understanding of fixed income and bonds, then you're able to start investing for yourself and building a portfolio. Because we've now covered the principles of investing, we've covered risk tolerance, we've covered a little bit about your individual risk profile, and now we're starting to get into the basics of different asset classes. Next up on Finance 101, we will definitely be covering real estate so you can add that to your repertoire but I think for today you've gotten enough information and next week will be a little bit lighter because I'll be bringing a really exciting guest on to talk about how to live a more sustainable lifestyle and if you enjoyed this episode please like share subscribe and leave a review on apple Podcasts or spotify because it really helps the podcast grow and reach people who need this medicine cheers